You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. It's the people I can't stand. And I know that every now and again we might feel that way, that, that we love mankind, but oh my gosh, it's the people in my life that are giving me such a hard time. And it's true that many of our problems in life come from our interaction with people, and that's the threat to our confidence in Jesus Christ. I mean, when you really think about it, think about those times you've bumped up against uh, difficult people. Think about that time, uh, just maybe even recently, where you had a hard conversation, and it was, it was a bit grating on your soul, on your spirit, and, and it does have a tendency to shake your confidence. Uh, that's what relationships can do. And usually it's not the difficult circumstances that cause us to stumble, uh, but it's the difficult people in those difficult circumstances that can cause us to stumble. I don't know if you ever do this, but uh, being in ministry for a while, I look back and think about the moments as a, as a young leader where my confidence was shaken be, because uh, somebody was just kind of, I guess, in a, in, just to put it plainly, just out to get you. And uh, I, I remember being in this position in ministry, and, and there was an older couple in our lives at the time, and I'll never forget this. Basically, they wanted my job, and uh, it was a very uncomfortable place to be. Someone older than you, someone who has influence over you, someone who can kind of dictate your future. Um, I remember being in my, in my garage. We were doing a little remodeling on this little house we had in northeast Portland, and I was working and, and, and praying. And the Lord just spoke to me. It was so loud and clear. He said, I am the glory and the lifter of your head. Uh, what was communicated to me at that time is the influence that's the most important in my life is God's presence, his glory, and the words that he speaks. And so if you're in that place today, <clears throat> maybe you find yourself there, would you just remember that he is the glory and the lifter of your head, that he's put you here for this time, for this season as difficult as it may feel and seem, uh, God has you here at this moment. I think we've discovered that the book of Philippians is, is about our confidence in Jesus Christ. And the fruit of that confidence is this authentic joy that Paul speaks of. And even though people, they did this, they talked trash about the Apostle Paul. You can find that, especially in the book of Thessalonians. You'll find there that, that people were calling him almost every name in the book. And in chapter 2 of uh, 1 Thessalonians, he talks about that. He talks about it. And he stands up and he says, listen, there are bullies out there. And I want you to know that in Jesus' name, we stand against them. And, you know, he, so he's he knows that this is happening. And he knows this is happening in the church of Philippi. He knows that his reputation is being discussed. But he makes it clear, they cannot steal my confidence in Jesus Christ. And that might be a good phrase for all of us to repeat today. They cannot steal my confidence in Jesus Christ. And he was, he was steadfast, <clears throat> steadfast about that. So the importance that Paul places or puts on relationships is seen in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is probably one of the most endearing books that he writes, one of the most endearing le letters that he writes to these wonderful people in, in Philippi. The only thing, the only other letter that I can think of that comes close to this one is the letter he wrote to Philemon. 
And in fact, I see these as almost uh, sister letters. Uh, because if you read chapter 2, of which we're going to be going over in the next four or five weeks, and, and you put it next to the book of Philemon, which is only 25 verses, you're going to find out that Paul is actually living out the gospel of Jesus Christ in Philemon toward a runaway slave named Onesimus. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, it says that God came to rescue us the same way, that we were lost and we had no hope. And Jesus doesn't hold on to his advantage in heaven, but he lets go of that advantage to come and rescue us. And that, that, that he did that for, for you and me. And so Paul comes to us with this amazing heart, this amazing heart of redemption, of reconciliation, of what it means to work through difficult relationships. Paul says in these few verses, it, it's critical uh, in getting through the hard times. He says you, got, you need to press through this. And he tells us that our priority, our focus should be on relationships. So he begs us to ask this question. Have our relationships taken back seat to the unrest of our days? Are we making this about other things when in fact the Holy Spirit is working in some ways behind the scenes in our hearts concerning relationships? Because I, I honestly think that's what's happened. I think that's what's going on. Paul brings that to the surface. And he says, listen, guys, this isn't about so much the Roman Empire. This isn't about uh, the, 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 the community government that you're part of. This isn't about all of those things. These things are important. But what you need to really pay attention to and what you need to make priority in your life is the relationships that are around you. And he makes that. He, he just steps up and he declares it in these few verses. Because when Paul writes this, this church... This church is under the rule of this horrendous leader. The emperor was Nero at the time. Nero was dastardly in the way that he worked with the church. In fact, he blamed the church for a, a big fire in, in Rome. He blamed the church and had them fighting with each other. He had them fighting with each other, and he was, a, he was politically savvy. So he knew how to really walk through this. In fact, the Jewish community during this time believed that the Roman Empire was going to fall to fire. And so when fire starts, and many believe he started the fire, he says, see, see what they're doing? They're, 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 they're burning it down. They're burning us down. And so this persecution elevates. What he does is he turns believers against believers. So just an FYI, the verses that we're about to read uh, are in English several sentences, and you'll, you'll see that. But it's one long sentence in the Greek. And so when Paul writes one long sentence, he's pretty excited, and he doesn't really want to take a breath or give you a punctuation. He just keeps going. And that's what he does in these four verses. So take it for that, that he's he wants to talk to you about something. He's really wanting to get this message out. So Paul writes this in a way that says... That this is true, that what I'm saying to you is true. It's absolutely true. Uh, he says in that first, uh, first verse, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement, what he's saying is, 
since you have all the encouragement in the world. So he's using some language here that we have to pay attention to. Since you have all the encouragement in the world, he says, I want to talk to you about uh, what it means to have good relationships. In fact, it, it's in this sentence that forms the keys of good relationship. And so they work then and they'll work now. And you can write these down if you'd like, but I'm going to read this to you and, and listen to what he says. He says, therefore, if or since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, uh, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I have to tell you that this has been a theme verse for me. This has been a guiding verse for me in the last couple years. This one right here. Because it's so hard to stay focused on the interests of others and not abdicate to the interests of yourself and not go back that play to that place. And Paul says that. So I want you to follow me here. I'm going to look at this passage by beginning with verses 3 and 4 because this is kind of the way it's constructed because this is Paul's main point is verses 3 and 4. And then I'm going to come back to verses 1 and 2 and I want to begin with the keys of getting along with people. And so here are the keys that, that, that I think uh, that Paul is wanting us to pay attention to. And it's a list here. And you're going to see, and everyone needs these kinds of lists. It's a list of what not to do and a list of what to do. Uh, how many know that oftentimes the list of what not to do is just as important, equally as important of the things to do? Uh, that's true in any relationship. It's true certainly in marriage. And he says this. He says, I want to I tell you, the things not to do, and then I want to talk to you about the things you should do. So let's begin with the not to do's. Uh, you might notice these are the two things, by the way. These are the two not to do's that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Uh, so Paul's saying, hey, you really should pay attention to this because this got Satan banished. I mean, this, this got him kicked out of heaven. And he says, number one is this, don't be selfish. I mean, that's the first thing he says. It, it's pretty much our problem from the time we're born to the time we die, we deal with selfishness. Americans, when they were polled not too long ago, they were asked, what do they want? 38% of Americans said they want to win the lottery. 1% of Americans said they wish for world peace. So that probably tells you a little bit about our priorities, and uh, it, it is revealing. It, it really does tell us something about ourselves, because selfishness is at the very heart of our sinful nature and is the root of every other sin. We're motivated by selfishness. Satan placed his will above God's will, and that's where it all started. And then Adam placed his will above God's will, and then Eve placed her will above God's will, and now we're experiencing the trickle-down theory right here. This is sin economy 101, that it's in our DNA, that it, it's in our... It's in our our hearts and that's that's something that Paul makes very clear here he says listen don't don't be selfish and then the second thing he says here is he says we shouldn't be prideful or as NIV puts it a vain conceit 
Maybe your Bible reads it that way. I think both are good. In fact, it's here that I think the old King James has it even better. It, it writes it in a better way. Maybe in the old King James, if you have it, it's called uh, vain glory. Uh, do you have that in yours? It's vain glory. I'm going to go with that one uh, because when I was studying this, I thought that's, that's really a really descriptive word. It's actually a compound word that's put together here. And this is actually the best translation. So he's saying, so conceit means empty glory or vain glory. And, and it, it was a word used to describe a person that had an exaggerated thought or exaggerated thoughts about their importance. Basically, they were legends in their own mind. And uh, they were blind to any kind of correction. They were blind to any kind of help. And oftentimes, Paul will use analogies that have to do with farm animals. And, and he does in other places. He says it's kind of like that mule that won't do anything else except what it wants to do, and it's going to do it, and, and nobody can get in its way. It thinks it's really better than it is. So that Paul's saying they are puffed up. They puffed themselves up. It literally means they emptied themselves. Listen to this. They emptied themselves of giving God glory. Or anything God. It's, it, instead, they give themselves glory, replacing God as the supreme and almighty. Now, I, I said it, it's actually a compound word. Um, some of you might be familiar with this. It's two words put together. The word kino or kenosis means emptying. And the word doxa, doxology means glory. And we sing the doxology, give glory to God. It means emptying God's glory out of your life. It's basically saying, I don't want to have anything to do with giving God glory. And I want to have everything to do with giving myself glory. So here's why this is so important. If, if we, we don't understand it yet, it's, it's important because this goes back to the very reason that you were created. This goes back to your identity in Jesus Christ. This goes back to the fact that you were created to give God glory. So what is the devil tactics? What are, what are the things that he does here? He says, man, if I can empty you of that, uh, then, then I've got a lot of headway here. Because then you, you not only empty yourself of giving God glory, you empty yourself of God's purpose in your life. That you, you have no more compass. That your moral compass, your spiritual comp compass is gone. It's just, whoop, it's out of control. So when Paul says this, this is a, this is a serious thing. Vainglory is the very opposite of your purpose in life. I live to give God glory. Now remember how Paul introduced himself to us in chapter 1. He makes it very clear to us that this is all about God. And he says it this way, uh, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. There's probably nothing more descriptive if you want to identify yourself to Jesus Christ, then to say that. I mean, I'm a, I want it to be very clear with all of you that I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That, I, that I'm nothing really else. First of all, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Before I'm a father, be, before I'm a husband, before I'm all of these other identifiers in my life, I want all of you to know before anything, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That means that I'm tattooed, I'm marked, I'm pierced by God. And there's no way to escape that. There's no way to get out of that. There's no way to, for me, he's saying, to get away from this. This is who I am. 
I am a servant of Jesus Christ, emptied of self-glory and filled with God glory. That's what he said. So what are the things that we shouldn't do? Well, it, here it says, don't be selfish and don't be prideful. And now Paul flips the coin over for us. He says, now I want you to look on the other side. And he talks to us about what to do in relationships. So he gives us the to-do list. And so we have this to-do list. If you want to make a to-do list, this is, these are good ones to have on it. First is be humble. Some translations say uh, lowness of mind. So the key to having true confidence is humility, see? So the key to having confidence in Jesus Christ is really true humility. Remember Paul talks about unity in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. We covered that a few weeks ago. And he talks about being unified. So the bottom line truth, pride will make God your enemy the fastest way to have God against you is pride. Remember what the word says? He rejects the proud. So if you want God against you or God to be your enemy, he's saying just be prideful. Just if you do that, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now in the Greek culture, um, and, and maybe in ours as well, so I'm going to compare some things here. Maybe in ours as well, Humility was not a virtue to be desired. In the Greek culture, listen, any, any culture that has ever run the world, they're probably the hardest people to ever get along with, including present time. Um, I mean, we've, we've traveled in a few places, and we were, I'm going to say this, we were in Greece, and I said, you know, I love this place, but some of these people are, can be a little nasty. And Annette says, yeah, I noticed the same thing. I said, you know what it's a result of? I said, they ran the world at one time. And whenever you run the world at one time, you're just going to be kind of nasty. Uh, because everyone kind of bows to you. And it's, it's kind of in your blood. And, and for the Greeks, it, it isn't a strength to be humble. That's seen as a weakness. Uh, and I wonder if that might not be true today. I, I often wonder... When I look at this, I, I think about this, and, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Unity is always born out of humility. So you can kind of calculate here. If you've got your spiritual thermometer, you can do this with me, do a few spiritual formulas. If we are disunified, then the problematic issue, the ingredient that does that, according to Scripture, is pride. So then you have to say, is, is that a foot in my life? I mean, is that a foot in the body of Christ? Because if there's disunity, then is pride the cause of this? That's what Paul is getting at here. It's an interesting quality here that the, that the Greeks thought was so bad that the Bible says is so good. It's counterculture. Jesus was humble. Jesus was lowly-minded, not trying... Uh, to jump ahead here in this passage, but if you go to verse 5, I'll give a little bit away, but it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and talks about humility. Someone, um, someone once said this, and I want to read this to you about relationship. Humility is the grace that becomes the grease so that the gears of relationship can turn smoothly. I like that. So humility is the grace that becomes the grease so that the gears of relationship can turn smoothly. And the second thing on the to-do list here is be respectful. 
That's what Paul says. Look out for, be on the lookout for the interests of others. I, I, I love this word. Uh, the description here is because it's actually uh, showing this person going like this. <laughs> that they're actively looking out for the interests of others. It isn't, oh, by the way, it just came to me today or someone came to me in need. But I was actually on the lookout. There's a difference being passive or proactive in this process. Paul's saying be proactive in this process. D don't, don't be passive in this process. He's saying actually look out for the interests of others. When I put you first and you put me first, we're going to always get along just fine. Have you ever noticed that? When we're preferring one another and relationships flourish when we do that. They really do. Now, here's the question that I always have to ask myself when I talk about things like this. What am I doing? What are my disciplines? What are my practices? If I'm going to be proactive here, I need to because I know. I know I'm prideful. I know that's, that's inherent in my human condition. And so I need to have something every day that helps me combat that. And, um, and I'm just going to throw a few things out there for you because I think you can do these in relationship. And please know that I'm not, I'm not pressing you with your to, uh, a list for you to do. It's just a list that I'm doing. One of the things I found out that helps me every single day, simple, is Annette drinks a lot of water. She's a water fiend. She just like is healthy, drinks water. I usually don't, and she does. And so... Every day, one of the things I try to do is I see her water bottle, and I just try to fill it. Because when I do that, she thinks I'm helping her, and maybe I am. But I'm actually, I'm actually saying, if i I got to do this because if I don't, I know pride will build up. And this is just something for me to remember every day, every single day. And honestly, even when we are at odds with each other, that's when the Lord just ticks me off sometimes and says, you need to keep filling that water bottle. And I'm thinking, I don't need to fill that water bottle. And the Lord says, you fill the water bottle. And I said, okay, I'll fill the water bottle. And so every day I fill the water bottle. Isn't that weird, huh? I mean, it seems like a pretty simple thing just to fill a water bottle. But I'm going to tell you that's really significant, probably more for me than it is for her. Because I, I need something in my daily activity, my daily routines to remind me I'm a servant. To remind me that I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and so what is your list? What is your to-do list? What is it that you need to look at doing every single day of every year all the time? See, this esteeming others preaches really, really well. But it doesn't always practice really, really well. Why? Because it goes against our human nature. You know, it goes against our human nature. Do you still feel this when you go to the store? You want to get to the line, the head of the line first? Do you still do that? I do. I think, oh, man, I, I want to hurry up, Annette. Come on, come on, come on. We got to get to the front of the line. I mean, everyone's sleeping. They're falling asleep right now. They don't, they don't, they, they're just, I need to get to the front of the line. And, um, and I realize that's just part of my sin nature. That's part of wanting to be first. That's parting part of me wanting to be me, capital N. 
So there are things that I want to look at and identify and say, okay, I need to pay attention. So Paul's being really practical here with us. And that's why I'm trying to be real practical here with you. Because Paul is making it very clear. Here's some practical things you need to pay attention to. So I want to finish with, <clears throat> with this. I want to finish with the groundwork for good relationships. We've heard about the keys to good relationships. We've talked about that. But then there's the groundwork. And, and Paul actually sets that up in verses 1 and 2. And it's found in, in these verses. This is the why of all we've covered. So now Paul, he addresses the why, and I've just flipped it a little bit in verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So Paul starts with that word. See that word, therefore? <clears throat> Pay attention to that. We were always taught in school, find out what therefore is therefore. And what Paul is doing is he's referring back to, because chapters aren't, weren't, weren't something they divided. This is fairly recent that we have chapters. It was just a letter. It was, a, it was like I said, one long verse. And so you've got to go back to verses 27 through 30 to really understand. Therefore, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this, about being unified and Paul uses language like he's speaking to soldiers. Remember the progression of chapter 1? He opens talking to you like you're saints, and you are. And then he says, and now I want to talk to you like you're servants, and, and you are. And, and he gets to the end, he says, now, now we're really going to drop in on this one. I'm going to talk to you like you are soldiers, like you are disciplined athletes. And that's what he, what he does in those verses. So Paul is referring back. To those few verses, he's saying, I want you to pay attention here. And that's what he does. So the bottom line of what Paul is getting at here is Paul's point is the world is persecuting the church. That's what he says. And that's why we're in a battle, and that's why we've got to stand firm. That's why we've got to be good soldiers. That's why we, <clears throat> why we have to be disciplined. So <clears throat> Paul says this, because the world is persecuting the church, the church shouldn't persecute the church. He's saying, listen, the world's already given us a hard time. <laughs> he said, so the church shouldn't persecute the church. You see, Jesus said this. He said, the world is full of tribulation, full of tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, this is the truth we stand on right here, that he's overcome the world. This is the reason it is so awkward when Christians fight each other because we're copying the world. Jesus says plainly, don't do that. Paul says, hey, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because what marks us, how will they know us? What marks us is they will know you by your love. And it doesn't mean that there aren't disagreements. It doesn't mean it's kumbaya all the time. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you just need to work those things out. And that's why he writes Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So the groundwork for good relationships begins with, and he says here, belonging to Jesus. He said the groundwork of every relationship is belonging to Jesus. And that's why the, 
the word strongly instructs us, hey, m- marry people who, and be with people who, are, who have the same faith and belief you do. And that's why we're, we teach that. We say, hey, be of one mind. You, you, to be of one mind, you have to have, be of one faith. You have to walk together. I know for Annette and I, that has been the central piece of our relationship over 43 years is this one right here. She belongs to Jesus and I belong to Jesus. That's bottom line right there, that we belong to Jesus Christ. And because Jesus was humble, Paul is saying, so you should be humble. Not only should we be humble, we should respect others better than ourselves. That's actually the word there is respect. So here's the deal. I can get along with you even though you aren't perfect. You can get along with me even though I am not perfect. You know why? Because Jesus can get along with both of us. He's always going to be common in this. When you belong to Jesus, he's common in this. So when we have a, a break of unity or we disagree, we always have, let's, let's say this, the third-party counselor, because that's what the Holy Spirit is called, that we can say we're connected here. This is where we're connected. We're connected to Jesus Christ. And so in our imperfections, we can come together. That's what Paul is getting at here. The groundwork for good relationships is belonging to Jesus Christ. And then there's another one. Uh, let God's love be the catalyst for a relationship. Let God's love be what brings us together. He says that any comfort, what, what he's really saying is you already have the comfort of love. Whose love? It's God's love for us. And because God's love through Jesus Christ has accepted you, I can accept you. And see, this, this broadens the circle of people who are not like me, people who are different than me, people who, who, who might live a different life than I live. Uh, but when they know Jesus, when they walk with Jesus, there's this commonality here. And the catalyst of that being common with one another is the love of God. And he says this is bigger and, and broader and deeper than all of us. This, this, this is what shakes the world up, is the love of God and that we can accept each other. That doesn't mean we're always accepting of different lifestyles and different. No, it's just saying, I love you because God loves you. And I want to walk in this love and I want to listen and I want to be I want to hear what's going on. And I want to bring to you this powerful gospel of Jesus Christ that brings good news to every ear that hears. So here's the last and third, the third thing or the third thing about groundwork for good relationships is Paul says we're all part of the same family. A spiritual family. Now that might rise, raise up in you some, some bad memories. <laughs> and it might raise up in you some good memories. But nonetheless, it's family. And uh, families, families sometimes struggle to get along. But Paul said you need to be compelled to get along because you're part of the same family. And, and what he does is he connects us to this. If you go to uh, verse 1 again, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, along with the affection and mercy, know that we're part, that, that the blood of Jesus runs through our veins, that runs through your veins, that we have the same spiritual DNA. 
Now, I'm going to speak to parents here because I think we can talk about this and we've probably experienced this over the last year and a half or two, especially parents of adult children. Um, I've just been surprised how different each one of my adult children have lived out the last year and a half. Um, you know, and there are things that happen that you're looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, that kind of breaks my heart, you know. I want everyone to get along. I want our kids to get along. I want our grandkids to get along. And I know they have to work through things. So I'm saying this to you parents right now to take that feeling you have when there is brokenness in the family and people aren't getting along. Take that and magnify that by however much you want to magnify it and know that's how God feels when he sees us not get along. That's a heartache. And there are times I, I say, oh, Lord, please forgive us. Because it, ha it has to break your heart. But I know that God's in this and he's leading us in the right way. And that's the last thought here. So be humble. Be helpful. Be noble. Do all this for the sake of the one who purchased us with his own blood. And that's Jesus Christ. He did it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. He did it. He did all of this. And so when I look at this, I'm saying, Lord, thank you. You've done this. You, you died on the cross for me. You rose again for me. You did this for not only me, but you've done this for the world. You've done this for the body of Christ. And here Paul compels us. He says, we, we, we need to get along. We, we need to work all this out. Uh, we need to serve each other. And find ways to do that. Find practical ways to serve each other in Jesus' name. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I'm so thankful that we are part of your family. And, and um, we have your blood running through our veins. We're so thankful for that. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bring uh, healing to our lives. Lord, that you would continue to teach us and lead us on how to be reconcilers, ambassadors of reconciliation. That, that's what you called us to do. You've compelled us to walk this way. So, Lord, let us, let us do this in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for those that are listening right now that may not know you. Uh, the, the word says, your, your, your word, you're so confident when you say this, um, all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. You, you say that to us. So those that aren't believing now, that might be hearing this uh, on a social media platform or in this building or in the patio, that they can come to you and just call upon the name of the Lord and they will be saved. And Lord, I just pray that your salvation reigns and that we, Lord Jesus, would glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.